This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I am Pastor Joe Faldette. We have worship at 9.30 a.m. during the summertime. We can be found online at hosannafreelutheran.com and in podcast format on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app as The Kingdom at Hand. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32, and I read in Jesus' name. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let us pray. Father, As we come to study your word, we thank you that your word is truth. And I pray that you would grant us the wisdom to properly apply these truths into our lives. Lord, the wisdom to understand them and to use them, to live them out for the sake of your name, for the sake of your glory. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today's sermon is a focus on our horizontal relationships. And so we start out with a therefore, and that therefore is, is built on all of these doctrines that we've been talking about. Um, yeah, how we are created in the image of God, that the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are recreated in the image of God, that the Holy Spirit lives within us, that Christ has died for us, that, you know, all of those doctrines within the book of Ephesians... Um, I'm not going to go through all of them because, well, we can always go online or on the podcast and look at all of the old ones. So as we're looking at this, we start with a therefore, and so it's built on top of all of this mound of previous discussion. And so therefore, having put away falsehood, we already talked about that, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And this, as Christians, this is supposed to be one of the things that identifies us. You know, as I was reading today, so I was reading today in the book of John and for my devotions. And there Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. And I was reading that and I thought, Praise God, this fits with what I'm talking about for the sermon. This, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, then, and you are walking with the Spirit, then truth is supposed to be one of the things that you could be identified with. You know, that, that's supposed to be a marker of my personality as a Christian. That I live in truth that I walk in truth, that I speak truth, that I'm not lying to other people, that I'm not pursuing some other end or goal. 
but that I'm speaking truth because we are all members one of another. And so if I lie to someone, so well, how, how, this is kind of a silly illustration, but how many of you ever had broccoli in your teeth? Some of you haven't. Good for you. Or you're lying right now. Um, don't do that. But who do you appreciate more? The person that looks at you and smiles and then lets you, you know, and waits until you get home to see that you have broccoli in your teeth. You look in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth at night and you're like, I wonder how long that's been in there. I didn't have broccoli since lunch. It's been all day. Or would you appreciate it more if the first person that saw you said, hey, you got something right there. Because you always feel kind of embarrassed and you're like, oh man, now I've got something right there. And they saw that and they had to correct that. But is it better to be embarrassed right then and be able to fix it or to be sitting and working and smiling all day long and then realize, I've had this thing in my teeth all day. And now you're embarrassed because all of these people have seen you instead of this one person seeing you. Does that make sense? Who would you rather be interacting with? People who will tell you, yeah, you got something right there. Or people will be like, <laughs> they got something right there. They don't know it. I don't want to tell them the truth. They're, they're going to be embarrassed. Well, they're going to be embarrassed right now, but then they'll be able to fix it. So why do we speak the truth? For this reason. Because if I've got an error in my life, it's a bigger deal than having broccoli in my teeth. I am messing up my life. I am hurting all of the people that are around me. If I am living wrong, I, Joe Faldet, if I, Joe Faldet, am living wrong, it is affecting Kirsten, it is affecting my children, it is affecting everybody who is interacting with my life, and then not only is it inter- in fact, interacting, hurting all of these people that interact with me, but now because I have hurt them, they are hurting another group of people. And so this this web keeps, this ripple keeps moving out. We are all members one of another. This isn't just Christians. This is the human race. We are all interconnected. Because we interact with everybody. What, we're seven degrees from Kevin Bacon? Isn't that the phrase that's used? Six degrees now? With Facebook, it's probably like two and a half. You know, we are so close to each other that it becomes so important for each and every one of us to be speaking the truth in love because we're all members one of another. Because if I'm not speaking the truth, if someone doesn't tell me the truth, then I can't fix the mess that I'm in. Indeed, seldom can I even realize the mess that I'm in until that mirror presents itself. There, the mirror, hold on one second, Kev. The mirror is finally telling me the truth. All of the other people that I've interacted with haven't until that point. Kevin? Yeah, that good question, Kevin. So Kevin asked if my interaction, he understands that my interactions are affecting all of you because I'm speaking with all of you right now. So I don't really know Sarah that well, so I'm going to pick on her because I do stuff like that. And uh, I mean, just so you know, you've noticed. 
<laughs> so if, if I say something to Sarah that's not true, we'll just take this, I'm, I'm lying to Sarah. Um, did you know that Mars is actually a blue planet? That's a silly, I know, it's shocking, right? Mars is actually a blue planet. The reason that it looks red to us is because when the light comes through our atmosphere, it, it makes it look red, but it's really blue. So I tell that to Sarah, and either I can be in error or intentionally deceiving. doesn't matter. Sarah then goes and tells someone else that. And so then we have a perpetuation of that same error. But not only does it happen with what we're saying, it also happens with the way that we act. So if I am... If I am acting wrong towards Sarah, I am telling her through my actions, because remember, actions speak louder than words. I am telling her through my actions, this is the way that Pastor Joe believes people should act. And so then, that's going to be a weight for that sort of action. She interacts with enough people doing that same action, her lifestyle is going to become like that action. And so if I am, well, if I'm swearing around Sarah... And Sarah's got a bunch of friends that swear around her. Stephanie starts swearing around her. And Jim starts swearing around her. And Linda keeps swearing around her. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Then what is the likelihood that Stephanie, or that Stephanie, that Sarah is going to start swearing? The more people that she has in her life that are swearing, the more likely that's going to affect her. And then she's going to be that for someone else also. So if I'm living in sin, I am encouraging other people to live in sin. And then they, being encouraged to live in sin, are going to live in sin to another group. Does that make sense? And so all of our actions, they don't just stop at the people that we're directing and directly interacting with. They actually keep growing because we are encouraging those people to act in the way that we are. Because we're social creatures. And so we mimic other people. You know, you watch a child with their dad. And it's like, I'll hear phrases come out of Anton's mouth and I'm like, that's, I'm listening to myself. And you know, there is nothing more terrifying. Because now it means that there's someone actually listening to me. Like, none of you guys do, but they do. So we speak the truth. Why? Because that's the thing that will always have a long-term positive effect on everybody that we interact with. It might have a short-term negative. They might be insulted. They might be hurt. They might be embarrassed. But that's not the point. The point isn't the short-term. The point is the long-term because that's love. And so I'd rather have someone tell me right now, hey, Joe, you've got broccoli in your teeth, rather than waiting for the mirror to tell me the truth. So we speak the truth in love. And then Paul goes right into anger. Wow, that was a lot longer of a point than I'd anticipated. Um, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So here Paul is actually giving us permission to be angry. This is actually an imperative in the Greek. He's saying, be angry. Allow anger to come. It's it's, It's an active idea. It's not pursue anger. But when anger comes, that's okay. It's okay to be angry. But in your anger, do not sin. And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, but Joe, 
Later on in verse 11, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Now that's a good question. How can Paul here, and I'm glad you guys asked it, how can Paul here say, be angry, and then later say, put away all anger? Well, here we're talking about the emotional response. And so the emotional response is a legitimate response. Later on in verse, well, what verse is that? 31 what Paul is talking about is your action. This is the act of anger. And so when, when I react to someone and, well, essentially sin in my anger, don't let anger control your actions. That would be the way to say this. We don't actually have a word like this in the English language. So I'm struggling. I should have thought through this better before beforehand. But don't. Have you ever heard of someone being in a rage? Have you ever seen someone in a rage? Husbands don't nod too quick. No. No. Never. So that's what Paul's talking about in 31. Rage and anger. Your anger has consumed you. Here he's talking about the emotional aspect of it. Allow there to be anger in your life. But when that anger comes, don't use it as an excuse for sin. Because that's what we do oftentimes, right? Well, I was angry. You're still liable. You're still liable because you're the one that allowed that anger to take control of you. And if you're the one that allowed the anger to take control of you, you are liable from the point that you allowed it to take control and then everything thereafter. You are liable. Our legal system is messing this up right now. doesn't matter. God didn't mess it up. You are the one. If you put someone in charge, if I'm the boss of a company and I hire someone and that employee messes up, who is responsible ultimately? The boss. Right? He's the one that's going to have to pay. The employee may get fired and that's what we should do with anger. But the boss still has to pay. And so I'm still responsible. So I can have anger be in my life, but then I need to deal with it properly. Why does anger exist? Well, because there's something wrong in the world. It can be injustice. It could be an obstacle. It can be all sorts of things. You know, your, uh, your car breaks down. Well, that'll cause anger sometimes. And so anger is an impulse to action. It kind of drives us on, right? And so why don't we always act when we're angry? Well, it's because we're nice, right? How many of you are nice? You like to be nice. You don't have to raise your hands for that one. But if I've got 10 inches of nice, say, well, it's not, well, about 16 inches right there. I'll not move my hand. I'll just change the number. I've got 16 inches of nice. And then someone does something mean to me. Well, let's say that I've got water. It's like a dam holding water back. So I've got 16 inches of nice here. And someone does something mean. Well, then that water of anger rises up five inches. Okay. Well, that's not bad. My niceness can still hold that back. Well, now someone does something really mean to me. You add 10 inches of anger onto that. Now I've got 15 inches of anger. But my niceness is still holding it back, and so I'm still smiling, and I'm, I'm imagining that everything is nice, and everything is going well. And I'm not telling anybody about this because I'm a nice person. Well, then someone does something to me that's really not that bad. And now I've got two inches of anger added to that. What happens to a dam when the water overflows it? It just trickles there, right? No. It washes that whole dam away. Whoosh! And all of that anger that's been building up now is on the person. 
that did the little thing wrong. And so, be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Why? Because it doesn't just, wa- it doesn't just go away. It builds up. Anger doesn't just evaporate off into the ether. It builds up. And if it's building up, then it becomes a danger because two inches of anger isn't much of a danger. 17 is. And so then the person who doesn't deserve it is probably going to be the person that gets it. And when that water, when that anger comes, it levels everything before it. It doesn't care. It tears everything down. So instead of speaking the truth, now, now instead, of, instead of speaking the truth in love, I am seeking to hurt and to destroy and to harm that thing which is causing me anger. Maybe you guys don't experience this, but that's a description of what I have experienced. This desire to harm? It's like, why does that exist? It's because I didn't deal with my anger as it came. Because I wasn't speaking the truth, I was lying. I wasn't telling people, you know, Bruce, I didn't really appreciate that. Bruce hasn't done anything recently, so. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's speaking the truth. That's dealing with the anger when it's little. Because even that 10 inches of anger should be dealt with in terms of 10 inches of anger. My niceness holds it back. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to make them feel bad. It's not that big of a deal. I'll suck it up. No, speak the truth. In love, for the sake of the upbuilding of that other person, because we're all members one of another. And do not give the devil an opportunity, because what happens when anger controls us? I'm not in control anymore. And you know, I've never seen someone controlled by anger that does good. Have you? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my experiences are just limited. But every time I see someone fly into a rage... They break things that shouldn't have been broken. Whether those are relationships or walls or their hand. We had a girl in high school that broke her hand punching a towel dispenser because she was angry. She made a nice dent in that towel dispenser, but it made a nice dent in her hand. Anger controlled her and she broke something that ought not to have been broken. And that's what happens every time. And so that's why Paul says, don't give the devil an opportunity. He's saying that's actually your sin. That is Satan using your anger to break those things which ought not have been broken. So be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. It's just going to build up. Don't give the devil an opportunity because once it build up, built up, it becomes a powerful weapon and you won't be able to control it. It will control you and it will use your sinfulness to hurt others and to hurt everything around you. Have better goals. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So why does the, why does the thief steal? Want? Does, does, you know, like the Robin Hood theme, the... You know, stealing from the government and giving to the people because that's really who the rich were back in that day and age. They were government workers, if you read the book. But the thief steals out of selfishness. I steal 
for myself. Robin Hood doesn't really exist. You know, that's a nice story, but it's not a reality, not in our culture at least. So if someone's stealing, it's because they want for themselves. Now, it's possible that they're in want, like they're starving to death, and so then they steal. Well, we can have compassion upon that person. But everyone else, they're stealing out of simple greed. I want that which I have not worked for. Be that reputation or be that, you know, the batteries from your tractors. You know, that, why did they steal? Well, because they want something that they didn't work for. And so Paul says, that's not a good goal. Satisfying your temporary desire is not a good goal. So what do you do? Let him work. Let him stop stealing. Let him stop doing that thing that he's doing in order to satisfy his goal. And let him start working. Oftentimes, when we tell people to work, we say you need to work in order to satisfy that, that desire of yours. Paul says, that's not a good goal either. The purpose of your working isn't to satisfy your desires. You need to start working so that you can have something to retire on. That's not what that says. Let, oh, yeah, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. So now my goal is actually changed, both my method and my goal. So Paul says, get better goals. If you're stealing for the sake of selfishness, working isn't going to make you a better person because your goal will still be messed up. You need to change your goal and you need to change the way that you interact with that goal. So now our goal is to be love. I am called to work for the sake of others, to work to be a blessing to my children, to work to be a blessing to you, not for the sake of my glory, not for the sake of my prestige, not for the sake of my financial well-being, not for the sake of my comfort. That comfort one, that's been one that God's really been convicting me on. Not for the sake of my comfort or my ease or my anything. It's for the sake of those whom God has put into my life. So that you could help anyone who's got need. So I'm called to work for the benefit of those who are around me instead of simply for my benefit. I was called to love those who are around me. So, then he also goes on, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Here also is a new motivation. Here's a new goal. Friends, what's your goal? If you are corrupting talk, what is corrupting talk? You know what's interesting? That's not a specific word at all. It's very broad. It's whatever tears someone down. Whether it tears someone down in their thinking, it tears someone down emotionally, it tears someone down in their finances, or whatever. Any area that you could tear someone down through talk. So if I am gossiping about Jim with Linda, is that corrupting talk? Yes, because now I'm hurting their relationship. If I am gossiping, with, if I'm talking to Bruce and I'm complaining about my wife, is that corrupting talk? Yes, because now I'm hurting Bruce's relationship with my wife, I'm hurting my relationship with my wife, and I'm hurting my relationship with Bruce. And so any talk that tears people down in any way is corrupting talk. So, that's pretty broad. Oh man, now I can't talk about anything. Well, yeah, you can. Set a goal and aim for that. Instead of focusing on all the things you can't talk about, Paul doesn't go through this long list because it'd be a long list. 
of things you can't talk about. He says, here's what you aim for. But only that which is good for building up. So now as I interact with people, what am I supposed to aim for? What is my goal? To build them up. Not just them, but then the people who hear. And then myself as well, because I'm building other people up, then I'm building myself up too. And so there is a reciprocity here. If I'm building Bruce up, he's more likely to build me up. If I'm building Bruce up, our relationship is getting stronger, and so then I'm being built up in that relationship. Then I'm benefiting everything instead of destroying it. Because God is the one who creates and who builds, right? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if I'm corrupting those who are around me, I'm actually doing Satan's work for him. Good times. Have better goals. Seek the benefit. Love. Seek the long-term benefit. That which is building up for everyone around you. Now this doesn't, that first one doesn't mean you just give away all of your money. No, I'm not saying that. But that others would be your goal. Instead of self. In my talk, that others getting better would be my goal. Instead of me feeling better about myself would be my goal. Because why do we complain about people? Really. It's in order to puff ourselves up, right? That's, that's really why we complain. We'll be honest. It's because I put them down. If I put them down, then I am by de facto higher. You know, that's, that's why we complain about other people. So don't do that. That's what this is talking about. Have a good goal. The goal of building up. Thirdly, finally. Yes, finally. Um, Motivation. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's a, like, I... Thinking through all of the descriptions of the Holy Spirit, that's a big set of qualifications. Like, he does a lot of things. But one of the things that I want to focus on for this text, because this is the context, is he is the one who puts within us godly motivations. You know, to be motivated to do those things which are right and good. He does all sorts of other things, too. You know, he convicts us of sin, guilt, and judgment, so he's a convictor. You know, he is the spirit of truth. He brings truth. He manifests himself. He's a manifestation of God. He, you know, he does all sorts of things. And we could go into all of those, but we're going to focus just on the motivating factor here. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us holy motivations. And so if you have a holy motivation inside of you, even just one, that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. He is living in you. Because the ungodly person doesn't have one holy motivation. And the motivation is that thing which stands behind that drives you forward to do something. It's not the something that you're doing. It's the thing that stands behind and drives you forward. It's the motivation. It's the engine of the car. It's the thing that propels, propels you. If I want to love someone and be kind to someone, that's, that's actually the Holy Spirit pushing me forward. And so if you have a holy motivation within you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because the non-Christian world doesn't have 
holy motivations. The non-Christian doesn't know anything except selfishness. At a foundational level. They're always thinking back upon how will this benefit me? How does this reflect upon me? Have, have any of you ever had your kids corrected in front of you by someone else that's not another parent? What is that? Is, okay, I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm just going to state what I've felt. Um, I have felt annoyance at that at times. Why? Why have I felt annoyance at that? So I felt that, and then I thought, well, this is something to delve into, so what's going on inside of me? I felt annoyance because it made me feel like I was doing a bad job of parenting. Oh, wait, that's selfishness. Because now, are my kids, the purpose of my children, are they to be like an expression of my goodness and my capability in this world? No! Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> No, they, my parenting of them isn't to show the world how good of a parent I am. My parenting of them is to bless them so that they might be able to properly interact with this world. And so I should be thankful whenever someone else says, you know, this wasn't quite right. Be like, good, because I missed it. And so that selfish motivation, apart from the Holy Spirit, that's really all that we feel. How these things reflect upon us. What they make us feel like. How they interact with us. You know, follow your bliss or whatever. What is that? That is selfishness at its core. And so if you have a non-selfish motivation, that is the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this sealing means. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. By whom God put his stamp of approval on you. This means you're a Christian. You have been changed. Therefore, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't deny the holy motivations that God puts inside of you. Don't say, you know, I, I want to do good, but I, it scares me. I want to go and talk about Jesus, but I'm afraid that I'm not going to say the right thing. Or I'm afraid they're going to laugh at me. Or I'm afraid, fill in the blank. But you know, I really want to give, but what's going on? Well, I really want to help them, but then I, my selfishness, I'm using that as an excuse that I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because fear is ultimately a thing of selfishness. I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit because I'm afraid. Well, why am I afraid? Because I want to protect myself. Well, why do I want to protect myself? I don't believe God will protect me, and I believe that I'm the most important thing in this world. And so then I follow my fear. And I say, you know what, Holy Spirit? You can be quiet. And so I'm shutting down the motivation of God in my soul because I want to protect myself. That's selfishness. And that's the grieving of the Holy Spirit, the motivator that draws me and drives me towards holiness in my interactions with you and in my interactions with God. So if we're to apply the doctrines of Christianity... Here's what they are. Speak truth. Always. Every time. In as loving of a manner that you can. Speak truth for the building up of the people that are around you. And live your lives in such a way that they are building up, that, it, that they are building up the people around you. And when you want to do that, when that desire comes in you to do that, walk in it. 
And when the desire comes in you to do something else, ignore it. Because when I'm living for selfishness, I'm ignoring the Holy Spirit who is calling me to live for those who are around me. You know, sometimes that means that you've got to take a break and get away from people. You know, sometimes that means you've you got to do things to benefit yourself so that you can better help others. That does exist. I'm not saying wear yourself out. I'm saying, are you actually seeking the best for those people who are around you? Or are you seeking that people aren't going to be mad at you or embarrassed? How are you interacting with those who are around you? Are you living out the truths of the gospel? Because that's what this is. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your thoughts, Lord, that that we might actually apply these things into our lives. Father, bless us. Guide us. Help us to apply these things, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing sermon today.